Welcome to What's the Story, Pekin, a podcast where we share stories about what's happening in Pekin as told by their authors. These are the people who are at the center of many local events. They are in the know and here to share their story, their role in it, and the possibilities of things to come. I'm Gary Gillis, your host, and welcome to today's show. Uh, my guest today is Holly Crotty, who is the executive director of TAPS, the Tazewell Animal Protection Society. Correct. Uh, I've always found it ironic, Holly, that you're a no-kill shelter and yet your title is TAPS. There seems to be some, <laughs> I don't just been a little, uh, a little odd to me, but you bring a great success story and uh, I want to thank you for coming here. So, so welcome. Thank you for having me. The main reason for this was we've been having some podcasts uh, as we close out the year that talks about social services uh, and, and organizations that benefit the community. And I, I thought about TAPS because, of course, you're uh, you know a great provider of loving care and finding um, uh, homes for, for pets. Uh, but this time of year, and I think the conversation you and I last talked was, uh, I think I told you, boy, Christmas is coming. People will have their sweet little puppy or kitty or the you know, animal they want to get for Christmas. And you said, yes, we'll be busy and we'll also prepare to see them back in July. Yes. So could you speak to that a little bit? Because I wanted to let people know, and, and Mike and I were talking uh, earlier before you arrived about uh, you know, people perhaps not realizing the commitment it takes to get a pet. And we're not just talking as a Christmas gift that provides joy for that holiday, but perhaps a 10, 15 or year or longer commitment. Yeah, adopting a puppy, especially a large breed puppy, is a huge commitment. And one of the things that we have seen, and I think it's a trend across the country, is that people are adopting large breed puppies, and then we're in there in that about eight to 10 month range when they are full size, but haven't received any training they want to return them because they're knocking down the kids, they're biting and mouthing, they're not potty trained, they require exercise. What people don't think about is these animals don't come ready-made and they Mm -hmm. don't raise themselves. It is a commitment. So when you take home a puppy, when if you don't start to teach it leash manners from day one, when it's 65 pounds and you haven't taught at leash manners it's going to be pretty hard to walk sure and if you look at not only taps but most rescues in our area and beyond a lot of the dogs that we have up for adoption are at about that 10 month old to two year range and a lot of them you'll see that we have they don't have leash manners they're probably not good with kids not because they're aggressive but because they'll jump on them and knock them down and people need to look beyond the cute little puppy that is going to snuggle with them during the first meeting but remember that this is going to grow up into a full-fledged adult dog that you're going to have to be able to manage and train and teach not to puppy mouth and jump and walk on a leash or else they will be problematic well and and i i know the TAPS has historically vetted potential owners. Uh, and um, I think people don't really understand why sometimes you say 
no to them uh, and, and maybe share a little about that, the experiences you've had and why it, it's necessitated you to be a, you know, a little more uh, focused and do a little deeper dive before allowing someone just to adopt a pet. Sure. Uh- because unfortunately people don't think about the long-term commitment or don't think about the match um, we have people that will come in for example my breed of choice has always been Karen Terriers Mm -hmm. and I used to foster Karen Terriers before I came to TAPS and 90% of the Karen Terriers are friendly but there's about 10% of them that I fostered that weren't so people will see for example a beagle that we may have or a, another particular breed and come in and want that dog based on breed only and it may be a f- dog that was surrendered for snapping and they have small children or it may be a dog that is very very high energy and we know has significant separation anxiety and this is a two-income family that would expect the dog to be crated all day mm. um, and we know that the dog's going to break out of the crate and it's historically been bounced through the system because of that so we do say no sometimes because it's not the best fit and that upsets people and you know how are you going to judge whether i'm the best fit or not but we have to look at the totality of the circumstances of their family environment that they can provide in the animal the other thing um, we have a lot of applications that people have bounced animals they've taken them they've gotten rid of them because the children have allergies but they think this animal will be different or they've had to move and didn't take the animal with them and sometimes you think okay we understand life circumstances changed but when you have surrendered that animal to animal control and you know that animal got euthanized because we do check that you think how committed are these people to this animal knowing their last animal was surrendered and was going to be euthanized and they still right. chose to surrender it anyway. Right. Exactly. Well, what astounds me is um, those people who comment and they now have the vehicle to do so via Facebook or other social media. And the one thing when you're vetting those people, you can look at that past history as you just shared. But the one thing you don't know is, and it's difficult to measure and really almost anything where a person would be, you know, background be looked at is their their, their emotional, uh, their temperament. And, you know, how would they respond in those challenges you have in, in raising an animal? And it's kind of interesting because it seems to be sometimes those people who you deny the adoption, then they they vent via social media and they bring such anger and and vitriol it pretty much to me is is a validation of why you said no because if they bring that kind of anger and and are quick to 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 vent publicly that way uh is that the type of temperament you want to have in someone you adopt a dog out to i just always found that ironic yeah and and you know and sometimes we can't tell sometimes people come to the table and they look great on paper and then we get an animal back and we do see that it's a broken animal because it's probably been beaten or starved or whatever. And it feels really, really bad to know that this animal had their life in your hands and you made this choice for them. Right, right. I always get emotional because... And that's a perspective those people have to realize that if you were on the other end adopting this animal out, you want to see that it has the best home possible. 
So. And, and you know, the other thing is, is I know that we deny good homes from time to time, but we can't know everybody's personal right. circumstances. Right. And we do have a set of standards that if you're not a homeowner, we do require a landlord check. If you've had animals in the past five years, we do require that they've been at least up to date on rabies because that's the law. Um, if you haven't had animals, and we ask for two references. A lot of times that will fall apart because at the references, because the reference will say, yeah, they've had two animals in the past five years. And people get mad and say the references lie, but we didn't go looking for these references and dig into their history. They provided those names and addresses sure. and phone numbers to us. Mm -hmm. And when a reference that you have said as a trusted person can vouch for you says, yes, they've had animals, and then they can't provide any vetting for them, then we have to deny that, unfortunately. Sure. And, and because they're animals that perhaps have been turned over to you because of a, of a, a bad past they've experienced, it, it puts, I'm sure, additional emotional pressure on you and staff to make sure they don't experience that again. Exactly. So you know, this is a dog. And, and oftentimes, because the dogs we've had have, have all been uh, rescue dogs, and you know, they've come with issues, and it does test your patience. And, um, but going into it, you realize it's no fault of their own, and they were victimized by someone. And now it's up to you to give them the love and care they really deserved. And, and my son, of course, is an example of that. He's on your board, and I say that because he has six dogs and a cat, uh, his own pet menagerie. But uh, what he shares is a, a passionate love of animals, sure. and he loves the idea of... Uh, and he has adopted animals that, and th their past was, you know, really almost horrific. And yet now they're determined, he, he and my daughter-in-law, we're going to give this animal the love it never got, and we'll give it to him in extra doses. And, and those are the kind of people you look for. Yeah, and I think you bring up two good points there, is that in rescue, we know that animals come to you with challenges. Sure. And we want to make sure that you are committed to those challenges. Because unfortunately, we will get dogs back that they didn't potty train in two weeks time, so they get returned. Mm -hmm. Or um, they didn't. They don't walk well on a leash, and they didn't automatically learn leash manners in a week or two. But these behaviors that they come with weren't learned overnight, and they're not going to be unlearned overnight. Sure. The other thing is, is my dog Tiffany came in, and she was shut down and pregnant and heartworm positive and pancaked and was like dead weight. When I take her places now, and people know she came from she came from Taps, people will say, "Oh, you." get the best choice of dogs i would have loved to have a dog like this but you get first choice of the animals that come into taps i worked hard to make tiffany become the dog that she is sure. because she was not that dog when she came in and most people the reason she's at my house is because i know most people would not have put up with the challenges that she sure. presented you bring to mind a, a, a book that I read, and I, I veer off course maybe a little bit here, but it speaks to your point. Um, and it was about the dogs that Michael Vick raised for dog fighting. And when they shut him down and stopped his operation, I remember there were like 21 animals. They did share, sadly, some of the, you know, the, the animals that had been um, abused, died, and buried, and, and some of the stories they found out. It's, it's a horrific part of the book, and it, it's not for the faint of heart. 
But the the good part of the story was I think there was like 21 dogs, and the authorities said these dogs were in such bad shape, there was no way you could even you could save them, uh, let alone um, you know find homes for them. It turned out the book had a lot of stories of people that just did stuff to animals that were almost afraid to be alive Mm -hmm. and the patience and the love and the care Uh, the one lady that started took her a while for the animal to let her in the cage and she'd sit and talk and pet and and uh, lay with the animal for hours day after day after day before the animal would even allow her to pet it Uh, but they they told them out of these 20 some dogs maybe the best odds were you would save two of them the end of the story they saved 19 and found homes for them. and uh, But it really speaks to how special it is to be someone who adopts a dog that comes with issues. And people have to realize that at TAPS, um, you'll take them all on. And you've even taken on those I know have had medical conditions and you've had to make the tough choice of, you know, uh, do we uh, try to find a way to um, uh, medically uh, repair this animal in a, in a sense so that it can be adapted out and you have those success stories yes so I think that's great yes um, I, if you're on our mailing list you saw the story about Shaggy uh, Shaggy's owner passed away and he ended up at Taswell County Animal Control and we transferred him in and within less than 24 hours we had to rush him to the vet and he needed emergency surgery that was going to cost three thousand dollars that chances were greater than not that he would not survive and Mm -hmm. you have to make that call whether you want to give him a chance and it's hard to say no you don't want to give him a chance but on the flip side you know we're a nonprofit organization and we operated a deficit but I did say yes and the community came through with donations for that and he is thriving now and living in a home and we get updates and you just you're grateful you made that call and and it speaks to the other issue people don't really realize that you oftentimes uh there'll be an animal shelter out of state uh the one thing good about illinois is it's it has a great reputation from the no-kill standpoint not every shelter is that way but from what i've read illinois is the number one state for having you know that type of approach to to animals um but you've gone um, out of state and i'm always touched by and amazed when you put out a call that we've had these these animals someplace in Missouri or someplace like that and you put out a a call that hey they've got to be someone has to come get them within so many hours or those uh, animals will be uh, euthanized and there's always somebody that comes through Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the weather what the roads will be like they'll come through yes that's a a neat thing that is um the community is amazing when it comes to animals i've never put out a plea that has not been met um and you know for those people who say well you're taswell animal protective society and you're bringing in in animals from outside of those communities i think if you really researched what was happening in those communities but the Mm. good thing also about um we also have a lot of support from those communities that, as well that do send in donations um, to TAPS to That's help great. care for these animals mm-hmm. yeah. because they appreciate that we're taking them in because they know what their fate would be if they didn't have rescue partners like TAPS. Right, right. And I would, I would pose the question to anybody who's critical of that is, okay, you get the phone call. 
that we have these animals that will be, and it's not just one or two, it could be a dozen that will be euthanized unless somebody comes through. Would you be that somebody? And to have to say, nah, we're just not interested. We've got to, you know, you're too far away. I think it, it just speaks to, again, the culture and the mindset of TAPS, that you, you love animals, you do anything you can to find them a home. And I know there's times when, you know, there's really no room, but you find a way to, to do so. Sure. And I think people also don't understand is that a lot of these animals are living in outdoor shelters. What we think of as an animal shelter here in central Illinois is not an animal shelter in right. even southern Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas. When you talk about the old animal pounds and you think about a pound with facility and what those look like, that's what these animals right. are living in. Yeah. In this yeah. weather, in colder weather. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's... It's great what what TAPS does. Uh, I'm always moved by when you see someone's obituary. It seems like the majority of time it's please send checks uh, or leave a memorial uh, to TAPS. So it speaks to how much the community really uh, regards TAPS and the reputation you have. And I, I, I strongly believe a lot of that is because of Holly Karate. And um, believe me, um, the community has a lot of affection for you. Um, My wife often talks about ruining the day that Holly will no longer be there. Quite frankly, Holly, I think if you needed a kidney, my wife would tell me you better better give her a call. We're going to help her out. So, again, thank you for all that you do, all that you do for, for pets. And I know... Uh, you know, you go through a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of anguish and grief, and yet you soldier on and continue. So, on behalf of the community and all its pet lovers, I thank you and thank you for being here. Well, I appreciate that. Thank great, you. Great, and thank you for uh, for listening. Uh, I think knowing the tap story in the community is is important. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Mike Eaton, my sound guy. Uh, Mike always is, is here and does a phenomenal job and also is an animal lover. Uh, and, um, the library for providing this space in the passport room. And we'd encourage the community to give us thoughts and, uh, opinions and ideas for future podcasts by emailing us at peakandpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and take care.